The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome back to uh, this edition of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Very special edition in my estimation because it's not often that I get to interview someone who's appeared with me, I I think, in four different on four different platforms in the first iteration of the Great Canadian Talk Show, which was on Wave FM as a bit of a summer experiment in 2004, subsequently on Kick FM, uh, and... Uh, I'm pretty sure that I did an interview with Marianne Mahaychuk as well in the course of the first round of podcasts. And as they say in the business, here we are again. Marianne Mahaychuk is a longtime, was known as a longtime uh, politician around the Winnipeg area, rising from school trustee, first elected in 1989, uh, through a term in the Manitoba, a couple of terms in the Manitoba legislature, including knocking off the then liberal leader Paul Edwards in St. James in 1995, moving on to Minto, ascending into cabinet with the election of the Dewar government, uh, leaving cabinet to run for mayor of Winnipeg uh, in 2004, I think it was, and then moving on to federal politics, uh, being elected in Kildonan and St. Paul and serving as Minister of Employment, Workforce and Labour in the federal cabinet for a couple of years. Uh, but way back when, she worked as a geologist in Newfoundland and Labrador, and then returning to Manitoba for a period of about eight years. Uh, and in that regard, with her uh, role as a leader in the mining industry and as an expert on these topics and understanding the world of politics, I have once again invited Marianne Mahaychuk to join me at the microphone. Thank you for taking time this morning, Marianne. I really appreciate it. Hi, Marty. You know, geology has been as uh, risky as politics, or as fulfilling. (laughs) Uh, I've had an opportunity to work uh, for many years here in Manitoba on industrial and precious metals, and in Ontario and in Newfoundland, and got to uh, see our beautiful country. Uh, Mining, at the outset, before I get into some specifics, it's a very cyclical industry. Can you catch us up on where we are in the mining cycle and especially, you know, where we've been the last 15 to 20 years in Manitoba and where we are today? Such a big question. So Manitoba, you can look at it from a number of perspectives. Manitoba in general is underexplored, which means the likelihood of finding something that is economic is higher than, for example, Ontario uh, or Quebec or BC, which are, are... you know, our, our friendly competitors. Um, the price of metals traditionally has meant whether something is going to come into the realm of economic or not. And right now, we are in a good state. Um, I don't know the price of gold today, but it's been hovering at $2,000 an ounce, which is terrific. Um, but on top of that, is an existential threat to Earth. I know that sounds very big, but it's called the climate crisis. And the new technology of machinery, of vehicles that we're going to drive, of heating systems, etc., all need to be revamped, which means 
the world and the world of mineral exploration and development has a new chapter. That chapter is finding what's called critical minerals. So there is a global rush to find critical minerals. Uh, where do you see Manitoba's potential as a mining jurisdiction compared to the, the you know the the friendly competitors you mentioned Ontario, Quebec, British Columbia, and we know that uh, there are a lot of rare earth uh, elements uh, discoverable present in Manitoba. Nickel, we have some gold. Uh, how do we compare to the other provinces, and what should investors and the public be keeping an eye on here? I keep hearing about lithium. Yeah, um, there are numerous minerals that are needed. Um, Manitoba is lagging, uh, unfortunately. We're lagging behind uh, other jurisdictions in Canada. And Canada, in general, has fallen from the number one place to invest. Uh, I don't know what it is this year, to probably maybe fourth or fifth. Manitoba, specifically, was the number one jurisdiction in the world to invest. Number one, number two, depended on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we were identified as a place to be, and we had companies and interests from everywhere. That has dropped. It dropped all the way to 37th Whoa. a couple of years ago uh, because... I think we were basically complacent, thought, um, you know, you don't have to do anything more. We changed the Mining Act. Uh, Things were going great. And then we had change of premiers who had different priorities. Mm -hmm. um, And we dropped. We fell. Um, Is this drop, is this, I hate to interrupt, uh, sorry to interrupt rather, but is this drop connected to the the Manitoba's uh, mining royalties regime at all? No, you know, um, we're kind of moving off, but I understand. So for a stint, I was Mines Minister of Manitoba. At that time, we collected between 40 to $45 million a year, and that was very low. We were in a low period. Mines were closing. Uh, today, I understand that we're collecting less than $1 million a year. What? Royalties have completely dried up, and... Um, wow. That situation is very rough on the provincial treasury. Yeah. Uh, re- royalties were well over $100 million a year from the mineral sector. But that's not the biggest source of revenue for you and me as Manitobans. The biggest source of revenue is, of course, income tax. Mm-hmm. Income tax provides much more revenue into our, our treasury than royalties. Uh, so royalties are only collected on projects that have gone through uh, paying off the enormous capital cost. The average cost of a mine is $1 billion. That's a lot of investment for a risky project. Uh, so you have to have the right regulatory regime. Uh-huh. You have to have a company that can raise the money. And you have to be sure that it's going to live long enough to pay off the debt and make a little profit. And when the profit starts coming in, royalties are paid to the province. So it's way down the line. What is the We have screwed things up. Yep. What does a Manitoba government of whatever political color, what would it need to do to attract maximum investment 
uh, in our mining sector, competing with other jurisdictions, and and can Manitoba compete for investment dollars on a global on a global scale for our mining sector? Well, we did it once, and we can do it again. It's going to take. I like that attitude. Right? You gotta you gotta really work at it. So. We were in a, remember the period of time when everybody wanted their taxes frozen. Uh, They wanted government to downsize. What it meant was, when I was a geologist with the Manitoba government, uh, mapping and being out in the field and in the bush, we were taking samples, making maps, understanding what our resources were. Um, We had maybe 40 geologists working in Manitoba. It got down to less than 10. I think it was 7. Imagine, you're not able to really collect the scientific information you need or keep up to date with modern changes of exploration. Uh, And our whole regulatory framework got old, and that meant companies looked at Manitoba and said, oh, this is too tough. For example... We still require companies to go and cut trees down uh, to stake or get a mineral disposition. So you have an area of land, you've looked at the maps, you think, wow, I think there's, I think the deposit, there's potential for lithium in this area. I'm going to what's called traditionally stake a claim. Yeah. Stake a claim is offensive to the indigenous people because it implies you are making a claim on their traditional land. And in many jurisdictions, we've gotten rid of that colonial terminology so that it doesn't trigger negative responses immediately. So you have to, in Manitoba, we have a problem with terminology. We have a problem forcing companies to go and put these stakes in the ground, uh, which is a requirement by Manitoba in certain areas. I I just want to clarify, when you say in in certain areas, and I I just want to um, come at this from a bit of a different angle. There's certainly, in the course of the election campaign, I become aware of this, uh, and I'm you know, aware of it previously. It's more so to the fore now uh, as we head to the polls on October 3rd. But there are a lot of First Nations communities that are that are pro-resource uh, development, that are looking forward to the development of those jobs. But I can't say that I've ever heard, and I'm, I'm not disputing what you're saying, but I can't say that I've ever heard that there's a problem with... You know, if they're willing to partner with companies to do this kind of exploration, we've heard a number of different kinds of mine projects come to the uh, come to the fore in the last few months in different headlines. I don't know that I've ever heard that they felt excluded um, by the way that the government uh, lays out how this is to be conducted and 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 mapped out. So maybe you can explain to me how they're both for it and against it at the same time. In some cases, it appears. Well, you know, no no community is going to have consensus. You know, that's a, that's a goal that we strive for. But any time um, uh, a company comes and says, we stake the land and we have this claim, um, there are numerous communities that would say, oh, hold it. Uh, you need to get approval from us. And we want to know exactly what you plan to do. So um, 
there is a, a movement called, um, well, it's a reconciliation. It's called UNDRIP. Uh, the United Nations is pushing for a new way that we work with Indigenous people, which is a meaningful partnership. And nowadays, companies understand you must get permission from the Indigenous people of that traditional area as well as the provincial government. It's become extremely complicated. Well, can, can, can those communities... Uh, certainly, as I've indicated, the different mining projects have been announced uh, lately. I think there was one up in Flin Flon. There's the silica mines, of course, been in the headlines quite a bit here. Uh, can, can those communities provide the labor that will be needed uh, to uh, ramp up the mining operations? And, and if they can't, where will the labor where, where will the labor come from? Where will the, where will the government be able to recruit uh, the, the qualified workers to be able to work on those kinds of projects to resurrect the mining industry? Remember, these jobs are paying over 100000 a year, plus all kinds of benefits. You get to have a wonderful lifestyle in, a, in an environment that has fewer accidents than going to the office. Um, and so I remember uh, for one mining company, they had posted a laborer job, and 500 people applied. So there is great interest from uh, uh, traditional workers that have worked mm -hmm. in construction or, or manufacturing or anything like that. Plus, isn't it time that women got a few jobs? And don't forget that we're on traditional land. So we need to, if we need to do anything, we need to start to um, provide real opportunities for Indigenous people to have jobs, uh, be part of management, and take a real role. So, yeah, I think labor, people will want to work in this sector. Mm-hmm. I, I, just as I as I move towards wrapping up, uh, and I, as I said, I very much appreciate you joining me yet again for for an interview about different topics. It's really I just want to explain to the audience. You know, like I bumped into Marianne in in social settings over the years, just completely at random, uh, <laughs> like four or five different times, which does not happen really with me with like any other public figure. I may have bumped into you know Vic Taves in a in a downtown walkway once or twice. But it's just very, very unusual how our paths keep crossing in parking lots and at community events and things. And so I, I just want to wrap up with this because so we always have engaging conversations, uh, whether it's with a microphone or without. Now, I, I hesitate to ask you this, uh, uh, if you would perhaps compare and contrast, if you're able to, given the circumstances, compare and contrast the approach taken to resource development by uh, by the by the policies, by the, in particular the NDP uh, seeking to unseat the Conservatives here in Manitoba, is there anything about the policies that have been announced by either party that you are able to comment on or that you might want to reflect on for my audience? Both parties have come out saying that they're going to support the search for critical minerals. And that's a very mm, broad statement and, and supportive. Yay. What it is is the nitty-gritty. Are you ready to open the Mines Act? Are we ready to look at policies? Are we ready to make a partnership with Indigenous people? Um, 
So far, we have to wait and see. The election is very high level in generalities. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got to give credit to Heather Stephenson. She's made some changes, and we moved from, what, 36th or 37th place to 15. Uh, because if the leadership of a jurisdiction say nothing or say something negative, that will hurt the financial community. Uh, Premier Stephenson has come out strongly in favor of mineral resource development and exploration. So kudos to her. That's a good first step. Uh, I'm going to leave it here. And, you know, I wasn't anticipating this, Marianne, but I think it's possible that after the election, depending on the result, that uh, maybe at some point I'll have you on yet again. To discuss what the whatever uh, co- whatever color or flavor the new government has, majority or minority in position, uh, to discuss uh, whatever they table in regards to encouraging and, and uh, uh, helping motivate investment uh, in the mining industry in Manitoba. Uh, from my own perspective, uh, having be- having known people who migrated in the 60s and 70s that came to northern Manitoba from Nova Scotia, from the Maritime Provinces, and I've known people, known families from that kind of a background in particular as well as the brief period of time that I lived up north when I was a young married man. Uh, So I've always kept an eye on this. I've always had an interest in it, perhaps something that surprised people in the past. Uh, And as as an industry that has well-paying jobs, has great safety record, that is so important, economic development of the broader economy, uh, and and seeing the you know the what the people are like that have worked in the mining industry, what those families are like, how they've com- contributed to the fabric of Manitoba, uh, socially and economically. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be talking with you again about this. I love talking about this very important sector because it means that we can fix our hospitals, we can fix our roads, and we can generate revenue to make Manitoba prosperous once again. Anytime you want to talk about minerals, I'd love to, Marty. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. You see that people from coming from different, certain different political orientations, as Marianne and I do, but as people that have grown up, uh, uh, grown grown up with a love of the North End, a love of Winnipeg culture, and certainly an interest in seeing this province being economically sound and healthy, you see how people can come together with with, uh, uh, collaborative thoughts, uh, and and looking towards a brighter future for Manitoba, uh, in particular as it comes to the development of the mining sector. Marianne, uh, I appreciate your your appearing here with us. And uh, as I said, we'll have you on a, on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast again in the future. Uh, perhaps perhaps in the new year, we'll see. Maybe there'll be a big mining announcement before the end of the year. And if there's ever anything that comes up that your industry would like. Uh, talked about, promoted, discussed in the public realm, by all means, reach out to me and we'll get that on the air and to our audience as quickly as we can. Thank you so much. Thank you. Marianne Mahaychuk joining me today here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. I'll be right back to wrap up after these commercial words. Whether you're concerned, rush hour, people can't get home in this city angry or motivated which he hasn't mentioned anything about and didn't do anything about when he was in charge because that's a small stuff actionline.ca letting you know you have the power didn't matter if they're ndp liberal conservative they'd say well that's really expensive i'd say yeah you know what else is expensive firefighters water home of the great canadian talk show 
to the point of uselessness when he wielded influence around the halls of 510 Main Street. With Marty Gold. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at tgcts. You have the power. Marty Gold, back to wrap up this episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this work. Thank you for spreading the word and letting more, more people know uh, the kind of work we do, the kind of investigative reporting, the kind of interviews, information gathering and sharing that goes beyond what the mainstream media is inclined to do nowadays, giving points of view that are perhaps deemed counter to the narrative in some cases. In this case, no real narrative. This interview with Marianne Mahaychuk, I wanted to find out uh, what she thought from the mining industry perspective. Uh, and, uh, and I was uh, surprised that uh, she was uh, so animated in her um, compliments for Premier Stephenson's positions thus far. Uh, in uh, encouraging the development of uh, the mining, developing uh, natural resources here in this province. Uh, going hand in hand with that uh, is not just the, the extraction, the production, but the manufacturing side of things that I would hope that uh, uh, any government moving forward would take seriously the obligation to ensure those manufacturing jobs, uh, especially as it pertains to uh, rare earth minerals, uh, critical minerals, such as we discussed, like lithium, for instance, that those manufacturing jobs, those plants can, as much as possible, be located here in Manitoba, taking advantage of our position in the middle of the continent to uh, ship far and wide, etc., etc. You get the idea. It's all upside uh, um, when it comes to mining business and uh, mining industry. And as uh, Marianne Mahichuk indicated, a very exemplary safety record as well. Uh, and uh, we're going to keep an eye on that moving forward here on the Great Canadian Talk Show as a driver of economic activity and employment here in Manitoba and, in fact, throughout Canada. Your questions, comments, interests, news tips, uh, donations, contributions by email, all welcome. Marty Gold Live at gmail.com. Uh, once again, I appreciate you tuning in. Lots more election coverage coming up. And if you haven't listened to our three-part series with Andrew Marquez, the man who beat the city of Winnipeg in court, proving misfeasance, proving that there's chicanery inside City Hall when it came to his development project and interfering in the uh, in the application process by city bureaucrats, by city planners, please go through the actionline.ca website, find those uh, three interviews with Andrew Marquez, familiarize yourself with what's going on at City Hall and why people are going to be demanding answers as we enter the fall from Mayor Gillingham, the other councillors, and of course the now for a couple of months now missing in action uh john orlico of uh, river heights fort gary lots more to come here as the election uh beckons the election day beckons your feedback always welcome your tips your support integral to this uh to this enterprise and as always we are driven by the knowledge that ultimately when it comes to elections you have the power is your business plagued by thefts and break-ins is your residential property under siege by out-of-control crime and vandalism? You need effective safety measures to protect your property. Jamrock Security can help you today. We have the expertise to deliver the right solutions and get your security problems under control. Call 
1564 or contact our website, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto. Vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars. 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. That's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. Midpointautomotive.ca. The phone number, 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code. T-A-L-K, the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty... Send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS1.